The Dance with Dragons, Chapter 38, A Feast with Dragons, Chapter 77. Hannah and I did the math last night, and without saying the wrong number, because we didn't do the math closely enough, there's we did fake math. roughly 20 to 22 episodes of A Feast with Dragons remaining. This is our last Dorn chapter, though. So This is our last Dorn chapter. Got that going for us. For those of you who haven't been keeping up, we've also been... Recording over on Rewatch the Throne, which is our podcast where we, as the name suggests, are rewatching the series. And we just got to season five. So the last episode that is coming out this week is season five, episode two. So we're in a very interesting part of, and we're almost done with that rewatch too. So I feel like this reading order is coming, winding down, not really winding down. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. But this reading order, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Our rewatch show is more than halfway finished, and the next season is upon us. It's it's getting to the point where we can actually start to get excited. So there's a lot of uh, stuff happening. We're on the second column, like she said, of our – if you go to feastfordragons.com, there's uh, two columns of chapters, I think, depending on your screen size. Sometimes it's one, and we're deep into the second column. I, I didn't expect it to happen so quickly, but here we are approaching the final season of Game of Thrones and George R. R. Martin on the prowl talking about Winds of Winter. Winds of Winter on the horizon. On the horizon, the sordid facts of different characters in the series. What perfect time to jump back into the swing of things. I feel like people are going to cringe as we mentioned the TV show while talking about Dorne while we're in this chapter because it is so wildly different and it's so wildly disappointing. Where did you start when we, I know I've read the chapter a few times because we have been finding a time that we could put this recording together. And so it's allowed me to have a little bit of an extra study on the subject. I'm not really sure what that extra study has done for the way I feel about things in Dorm because I have a lot of opinions and I know that a lot of A Song of Ice and Fire theorists online have a lot of opinions. Where have you been during this? We haven't spoken about it yet and I'm curious to know if you're buying any of it and what you've been looking at and whether you like it or not. Yeah. I think that's a good question. I um, very much have never been a big fan of Dorne. I've never really enjoyed these chapters. I've never really understood the hype around it. I've never necessarily bought into why it's important. Um, Other than the fact that it's in the books though, right? Yeah, I mean, that's fine. And, and you know, maybe that's something that will come back to haunt me as we get into Winds of Winter. And it's like, well, the only thing that matters is Doran's master or Duran's master plan and whatever. But I, this chapter is very interesting because I struggle with Doran quite a bit. And this is the last Doran chapter that we have. So kind of what the plan is, is set in motion here as we look forward with what they're going to do about the Lannisters and what they're going to do about all this revenging that they're trying to do. Um, so I think that there's a couple interesting pieces that we can pull from this chapter, but as a whole, Dorne has always been something that has never been, honestly, nor may it ever be genuinely interesting to it's me. It's just not so. one of your concerns. You're not sitting at home wondering about <laughs> what Doran Martell is up to. But I know a lot of people are, so I feel like in preparation for this. Are they? Yes. There are a lot of people in A Song of Ice and Fire fandom who love Dorn. And so I was trying to kind of listen to some of those conversations and read about those a little bit to kind of 
And I always have, um, just to kind of get the other perspective because I've never quite understood it. But I mean, there's quite a few people who really, really, um, latch onto this. Maybe you're not one of them. I really like it. Maybe you are one of them. I like Ariane Martel quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And I loved when we spent time with Darkstar. That chapter was amazing. (laughs) My favorite one. (laughs) And we spoke in the past on this uh, podcast about the, the beauty of the Dornish imagery. I loved how we've been spending time in the cold north recently in the reading order. And now we're here in Dorn and we're spending time in an environment that's so richly brought to life by the kinds of food that they're serving when Balen Swan visits. And he can't handle it. <laughs> the the kind of clothes that they're wearing, how the sand snakes dress, and uh, all the subtle details that Ariahota picks up. It definitely doesn't feel like something that was put in the book for no reason. And I think that uh, I think that a lot of those feelings might have been fueled by the level of the show's adaptation. And I think a lot of those readers that were maybe new to the series sort of brought in some of that bias, unfortunately, when they crossed some of these chapters. I tried not to when I read through, and I don't really feel like I got the squeeze that I really should have gotten as a wary reader the first time I read through. But now repositioning myself for the podcast and paying attention to all these small details and highlighting notes so we'd have something to talk about in the discussion with each other, things are a lot more clear. And it's interesting. There's a lot that's been going on, and I understand why it's very mysterious to a lot of people because it affects the overall storyline in such a big way. But does it? But does it? So what have you been <laughs> looking into? Question. I know that we we were like, all right, I know that I was going to look at I'm going to look at Reddit for this. I'm going to call up someone and be like, hey, Bold. how do you feel about Dorn in general and see if it would color any of the ways that I feel about it? And I feel like that's definitely been the case. Well, it's very interesting, as you kind of mentioned, that we get this chapter from Arahota's viewpoint because he is as much as we as much as I would like him to not be, he's a very unbiased viewer of everything that's unfolding, other than this one comment he makes about wondering why Duran let all the sand snakes out of jail, essentially. He doesn't really quite understand why that happened. But other than that, we get a very decently unbiased viewpoint of what's happening in Dorne, which is something that we can't really say for almost any other chapter. And and maybe there is some bias there. There always is going to be a little bit. But when we are reading Cersei's chapters or John's chapters or XYZ's chapters, we're always also trying to look at the narrative bias. Um, and so to get everything that's happening in Dorne from a decently clear-cut perspective is interesting especially when there's so much going on i feel like it's almost Mm -hmm. necessary in other chapters we have to look through the lens and kind of guess what is being filtered out because of the person's knowledge but yeah that one fact him not knowing that one fact though is very telling and makes me wonder who he actually trusts right Mm. not the sand snakes well who would even though oprah knew everything about what's been going on in the north yeah it's interesting i don't i think that him not trusting the sand snakes is not completely nobody trusts Doran. duran doesn't i, mean, I hate the Doran duran thing it's going to be the rest of the podcast <laughs> um he doesn't even trust them you know and so it's it's interesting to watch him use them as tools in his supposedly 
super long, slow burn, grand plan to eventually take over Westeros or kill all the Lannisters or XYZ other priorities. But um, I think one thing that I did like about this chapter is, not that I didn't like the chapter, it's beautifully written, just don't really love Dorne that much, but it's interesting to have it open up on this dinner party because, and just kind of see this from the perspective that we're seeing it because everyone's just kind of hanging out and having a good time and they're all really excited about this package that they have received, which is yeah, they were just staring at the box ahead, yeah, <laughs> and they're all it's like a hush had fallen across the hall. Dorn holds its breath. There's a hundred scented candles burning in anticipation. They're like, oh, this is going to be grisly. It's very intense. Everyone is very excited for this special delivery. God, what a weird world that they live in. They're like, oh, I can't wait until the this head is showed to me i know it's gonna be awesome I, know. I can't wait i can't wait in the middle of this party for me to see someone's severed head are they gonna believe that this is a head in a box that's from the right person or could it just be a head in the box right just a big head which is which is a big question that comes up um because they open it up and dun, 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 it's just a skull just a um, skull well how do we know if it's the mountain if it's just the skull well exactly there goes the rest of the podcast. That's a huge question. <laughs> and so we got this big question at the beginning of the chapter about whether or not the mountain is actually alive and kind of what that could mean if they've actually received this justice, this justice that Dorne has hungered for. Oh, yes. Finally, the mountain that yeah. rides has been brought down and his head's been carried to us. The mountain rides no more. Ugh. So I don't know if, if if we think that this is the mountain skull, if it doesn't even matter. You know I'm whether going with it is that option. If it doesn't matter whether it's his or not, I don't. I don't know. I think I just bought myself into explaining that. So let me think about why <laughs> that <fine>. doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me because he's not here. Mm-hmm. Doran's beautiful words, his poetic description of the retribution that has now been found because the head of Gregor Clegane has been displayed in this silver-handled well-locking box in front of him now all that is well gives away i think his intention to me at least because i know how he speaks i know what his cadence is when he's having a conversation where he's telling the truth and this is clearly a put on this is something that we're used to seeing it's not like balen swan didn't know that right so based off of that i feel like there's more things afoot and it's like the rest of the plans of these schemers in the story, they've got to constantly be thinking ahead. And I feel like if they've gotten this far, if he's gone as far as sending Quentin away to try to woo Daenerys Targaryen or not, then a plan as shallow or a retribution as shallow as this just wouldn't exist in these chapters. And I think the less time that we have to spend with these Dornish characters, probably the worse for liking them personally as characters i think yeah that they will tend to seem more one-dimensional when we have less time to spend fleshing out the parts of their personality that are being told to us rather than seeing like for example when we're looking at the clothing of the sand snakes and george has those moments of description that basically say they're wearing this therefore in their personal life they're usually like this to people that they don't like And it's like, okay, I understand that, but what are they up to? 
it just feels like there's so much more going on and we just need to understand that that knowing them is not really the point of it it's just more so how this thing can happen while we spend so much time caring about all the other stuff that was happening and that we got so invested in even this can happen and it could have potential consequences that are great and i think that that's frightening in itself just for the world at large because there could be more people like this in a shy for example Mm -hmm. right now already Mm -hmm. planning it right like the world is much much bigger than we give it credit for right and so this is just a little window into that but isn't that how all of our point of view chapters are for sure but we're just sure or george's bias as a storyteller to tell it through mainly starks or people like Tyrion lannister that's a good point what do you think (laughs) does it matter um it's the mountain's head yeah i don't know i don't know if it matters i mean if it's not his head, then where is his head? You know, but I think that in terms of what they're looking for, and I don't think that whether it's their head or not necessarily changes what they are going to do next anyway. I think that the desire to continue to hunger for power and uh, retribution and revenge is all going to continue. That wave is going to continue to ride whether or not this is actually what it says to be so it's just interesting and there's um a theory that kind of comes up because so a little bit later they serve sugar spun skulls instead of like heads so Mm. people are like well you know how did they must have (laughs) somebody must have known that skulls were coming and not an actual severed head you know reading into that and then this um comment that Duran makes about having friends in the capital and all this kind of stuff and and who could have known that this is or isn't the mountain's head does this all tie together um who is the person in the capital that Doran is working with um I don't know I think but that could kind of all tie together in the sense of what kind of connections do we actually have to what's going on in King's Landing outside of them just always trying to insert themselves into the situation yeah so i'm not sure sugar skulls could just be skulls even if they brought a head that was tarred that's no fun there's a skull in it (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) that's no fun but yes no it very much could be but um it does seem like he knows what's going on it does seem like he he knew what was being brought to him and if you look at the change in arian's behavior just overall, when you think about how she felt during the princess in the tower and how her cousins were locked away as well and how they're all sort of being very congenial in this situation, even though a lot went down right. with Darkstar and Marcella, it yeah. still feels like that there's 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 been something that happened that that changed things and we still don't know. And this could be part of the misdirection that George is throwing on us. It could be Maybe there's so much going on in Dorne that it is so complicated. We should be digging into these theories and looking at all of these points that were set up in books long gone and thinking about all the facts that we've learned about Dorne and how we can apply those facts to a potential future that could unfold if some of this became a reality. Or it could be Doran kind of BSing his way through the situation and having a bunch of failed plans. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like that's what masterminds like Illyrio Mopatis deal with as well. They make all of these plans and it doesn't go straight. So they kind of pivot it and make the best option off of that. And are they not 
the ones who are masterminding the most other than the night king like who is more terrible than people who are making these sort of i guess uh i don't know what the word is political decisions that involve several kingdoms and innocent lives from different continents all mm-hmm. in one and they're not even that great so why couldn't this dornish plot be the same thing i think that that's exactly the argument though about dorn in general which is if it isn't that big of a deal or if those little things don't matter something or if what Duran is planning with everything doesn't come true you know or, or his desire to kind of essentially get arianne on the throne uh then what was the point you know of us at this point in the story diverting so far away and spending a decent amount of time kind of getting into it, you know, other than to expand the worldview, which is fun and cool and fine. But if there isn't some sort of pieces that we need to glean from all of this and kind of like, what's the point? It's kind of how I see it. It's an effective way to teach us a lesson. If we want to be more suspicious about what's happening in the story, that potentially there could be more happening. And what a great time for George R. R. Martin to to drop in the last book and have such a to have such a large gap between these two books. It's not a great time. <laughs> and to have such an open-ended <laughs> it's not a great process time. happening. It's a pretty bad time. I mean, it's good for theorizing opinion. though, because uh, there has been piles of different theories on the subject and they go deep and sometimes they're not so deep. But uh it's all fascinating what we can come up with when we have time with someone else's book, it's funny because we could just ask George R. R. Martin the truth about all this and he'd be able to tell us probably. But in the meantime, we're going to spend all of this time trying to figure it out. That's what we're here for. You got to hand it to him for spinning a truly good mystery, though, especially when Doran's thinking about his friend at the Capitol and some of the most prominent theories point toward one of our favorite people. Kyburn. Kyburn. <laughs> I know. Isn't that amazing? It's pretty awesome. It's so interesting. This idea for those of you who aren't aware that Kyburn is the one who's Duran's friend at court and that he'll eventually help get rid of Cersei so that they can kind of swoop in and, and enact Dornish, Dornish law. And I just think that Kyburn being that person, because the only people who could have known that the head was a skull or not the mountain would have been Kyburn and Cersei. Therefore, Kyburn must be the one because Cersei's not the friend at court for sure. Um, it's just, I don't know. Quite, you know, you know how I feel about Kyburn. Oh, yes. And all the details in the background about Marwyn, who is at the Citadel now. He plays with glass candles. If you've read the series, you know who Marwyn is. We're going to reach more Marwyn action in A Feast with Dragons. But there's a lot of suspicion about his influence on other maesters and maester-like characters in the series. And he sounds like the kind of guy that would be really close friends with Kyburn. And if this all works together, like Preston Jacobs talks about on YouTube, which I know, Hannah, you've seen some of these Deeper Doran videos. I just watched Mm -hmm. a couple of them before recording today. There is so much information put together in these videos by Preston Jacobs, who is a YouTuber who discusses, and I'll just read his description on youtube yeah it says when will the new book be out when will the new book be out it turns out it's already out in fact five new books are out reread a song of ice and fire it changes the second time and it changes again on the third Mm -hmm. what you think is the story is not the story 
So true. Yeah, if the, if you guys haven't yet checked out Preston's stuff on YouTube, I think that there is a lot of discussion surrounding all the ideas that are presented about Dorne and what this means for the end game. And I think some of them hold some interesting weight. So I would definitely, if you've got some time to to plug that in the background, there's some interesting ideas presented. Pause this episode and watch his four-part deeper Dorn series and also um, one that was made a few years ago. No, don't pause the episode. <laughs> the Dornish Master Plan. So you can, yeah, I guess watch Wait it after, after we talk about it so yeah, you're not so like, hey, you misquoted yeah. that thing. There's so much hey, to you remember. guys are not smart. Yeah. He's done a <laughs> lot of research in yeah. connecting uh, quotes and uh, different bits of evidence from different characters and other parts of the series and seeing it sort of laid out like that helps connect a lot of dots for me. Mm-hmm. There's so many different directions it could go. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it just depends on whether or not this Grand Dornish plan ends up playing out in the way that some people theorize. Um, And basically, the this plan as like a very high overview is that this idea to basically destroy House Lannister, which you see in this chapter, make Dornish law a thing which basically crowns. Aryan, and then there's some stuff about there about like what else getting rid of Cersei blah 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 anyway those are kind of like the two main points some people would say I think Preston puts in his videos about um the high septon and kind of like using religion as part of all of that yeah. which I think is an interesting piece but the two big things are that they want to get rid of the Lannisters and get themselves on the throne and you know it's <laughs> it's interesting because we see in this chapter such a black and white version of coming at this. Like we see Duran talking about how he's grass and just like hiding people. And I thought that was a very interesting metaphor. Um, but then we see the sand snakes really amped and ready to go to war. And I think that you made a really good point just a little bit before about how we don't spend enough time with these people to really get past some of the cliches because I think that the sand snakes come off a little cliche in the sense of, for the most part, they're all just ready for they're lit up action. Yeah, they are. While Duran is very much not ready for action and saying, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, which he's been saying for, you know, decades. It almost feels like he's playing the long game at home, too. Like, I don't want to show too many of my cards to the people around me, which makes a lot of sense. Someone who'd be gaming so much would be that suspicious. Yeah. Unless he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. I love the end of the chapter, though, when Ariahota is basically like, uh, he, he finishes his final assertion of the events, and he's just basically like, yeah, you decide, readers. Uh, I know. Have fun with that. What do you think's going on? Wouldn't you love it if he gave us some sort of something? That would be cool. I feel like if anybody, he's going to have such an interesting read. I like the theorizing, though. I think it's fun. So what, do you, what are your thoughts, basically, on, like, in a very overall way of kind of how he's Duran is handling the situation i'm ridiculously suspicious of the maesters and Mm -hmm. of everything that i've read of the old town stuff starting out with the fearsomely strong prologue and alaris and what he's doing with quentin and quentin you know potentially getting on a ship called adventure and you know quentin being the guy who he is the form of the story i feel like is part of the commentary on how i should feel about it which is a trippy way to write stuff so it's hard to find my footing and how I feel exactly. So I feel like I have 
several different versions of the story that are potential ways that it could go, I guess, potential mm-hmm. truths. And then within each of those, I have an opinion. Right. And I'm most excited about this, the most conspiracy theorist kind of stuff. I'm most excited about that happening. I'm most excited about Marwin being interested in old magic. And that that's the same kind of stuff that the red priests out East are aware of. And that's the same kind of things that you're on Greyjoy is aware of. And that people like blood Raven know about it. And then brand's going to understand it soon. And we'll find out more in the winds of winter. So when I hear about, potential conspiring with people like Kyburn who might potentially be connected with an even deeper trouble. I don't really connect each of those levels of conspiracy. I, d- I don't believe that characters on varying levels of conspiracy know as much as the person at the top. And right. that makes a lot of sense. So even if a lot of this were true, how much impact would they have on the overall weird blood magic stuff happening in Westeros, I'm not sure. So I tend not to think too much about the small-scale political stuff when there's people like the Golden Company coming across the sea, and they're going to be meeting up with Dorne either way. Mm-hmm. A lot of you are probably going to be banging your heads against your iPhone screens or whatever you're listening to the podcast on when I say that some people believe that Quentin Martell might still be alive instead of the, yeah. the end of his story being <laughs> yeah. a, a, a very harsh lesson ended with right. fire, but that his friends essentially put one of the windblown in his place, a burned body, and are pretending that he didn't die and that he actually did make it off with a dragon or at least with the dragons. So all with all that happening, it's hard to get too interested in just who... Like at this table, like what Balin Swan knows, like the the plot to have uh, that we learned about in this chapter that Dorian was uh, potentially told that on the way back to Doran, they were to be beset by outlaws screaming half man, half man, blame it on mm-hmm. Tyrion. Like Tyrion for some reason is going to be uh, infiltrating a Dornish party and is going to be killing Tristane for some reason. Right, right. Right. He's he's just a boy. How could we how could they ever try to kill him? Yeah. As they're like talking about killing every Lannister they've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I mean, I do think that like even though I can kind of come off as dismissive, you can't dismiss the fact that there's a lot of pieces that are all kind of circulating and the whole Quentin thing, I mean, whatever. But I just think that there's so much as we talk about all of that that could go wrong from Duran's point of view, you know, that he could not execute well enough that whether or not there's this higher level of stuff happening, which we know that there is, is Duran actually involved in the way that he is involved? And I'm curious to see or watch the whole Quentin thing play out because I think that that's going to be a big blow to what they're trying to accomplish. So I don't know. It's very interesting. So, and, and I mean, they're essentially having this debate amongst themselves as well, just because not everybody knows everything that's going on and everybody kind of has their own opinions about what they want to do and where they want to go and, and who they should trust and who they shouldn't and who they should be talking to. And, and there's lots of different pieces that are all being held amongst different people in Dorne. Um, I think there was some point in the very beginning, let me pull out. That said, Dorne was an angry and divided land, and Prince Duran's hold on it was not as firm as it might be, which I think is just like a very good way to even describe 
how this plot moves forward from here with everything you're kind of describing. So do you think that Doran Martell has a deep, deep plan and that he's friends with Kyburn? Or you think that's bullshit? I just think that like, if he really, <laughs> I just think that this whole thing that they're trying to get revenge the whole thing that happened with Elia was literally like a hundred years ago. Or I mean, how many years, how many decades ago was that at this point? I think it you know was what I mean? close to two. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so why is he waiting so long, you know, to eventually enact some sort of, I think that that's kind of my biggest question as we look at this plan as a whole and people who have different thoughts and opinions it would be great if they could send us a tweet because I'm genuinely curious and maybe you have some thoughts as well, but what would motivate him to wait so long to set things in motion? And I, I understand, you know, Duran mentions that whole grass metaphor that he w- he's the grass and, <laughs> and like Quentin was – or not Quentin. Um, Oberyn was the snake and he was – they were working really closely together and kind of moving things. And then that was cut short. You know, I know that there's a lot of moving pieces and – Politics are complicated and you often do have to play the long game. And especially when we're spending so much time with someone like Cersei, who's so brash and quick to to do things. I still just feel like it's so long for him to really be banking on these ideas and setting things in motion years and years and years and years and years after this original domino piece that fell, you Mm -hmm. know? And so that's the only thing that I think is holding me up a lot from really looking into it deeper is just because I feel like I don't understand that piece. It's just so, I mean, nobody, (laughs) nobody is that low, like nobody is going to wait that long because there's so much, and they're not even anything because they are trying to play a long game, but there's so much risk and uncertainty when you get past a certain point, you know, and, and, and they have this conversation as they're kind of all arguing with each other. Yeah, Yeah. Here we go. So, um, they're all kind of talking and arguing in private and Ilaria gets mad because she says she's like everyone who was involved in Elia's murder is gone. Joffrey wasn't born yet and he's been gone. And she says, Who else is there who else is there to kill? Do Marcella and Tommen need to die so the shades of <sighs> whatever. So the sh- <laughs> I get what you're saying though. <laughs> anyway, where does it end? And then blah, blah, blah. This pattern of revenge, like how far down does it need to go? Like, what is the point here? Yeah, right. Are we just the foil to the Lannister family? Is that the point? Is that right. what we're here for? Like, we and could maybe, be doing so much more with our maybe lives. Maybe they are. And it, people are mad about Oberyn, but Oberyn kind of did that to himself. So that's just kind of, I'm with Ilaria in in that side of the fight. So book are in. Ilaria then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not show <laughs> Ilaria. <laughs> show Ilaria is like <laughs> a thousand percent the opposite of of what's happening in this conversation. But, you know, I don't know if you feel like there's some argument to be said for what like Obara and Nymeria are kind of hoping for in this. I mean, Obara kind of talks about that war is going to come no matter what. And Things are going to go crazy no matter what. So let's get involved, you know? I feel like they don't have much else to do. They're really strong and they're really good at the stuff that they do. So they want to put those talents into action. And this is what's happening. Their father mm-hmm. is dead. What more to focus their energy on? That's the same kind of guy that Oberyn Martell was. And so their actions make sense. And so does Alaria's opinions. Actually, they all make sense in conjunction with each other. I understand why she wouldn't want her remaining children. I understand why she would want her children not to be in danger of 
possible retribution by their enemies that they're basically poking the fence at, even though they totally deserve to be poked at. I understand why she's like, all right, is, isn't this enough? We have the mountain's mm-hmm. head. All right, can we move on? But I also understand the sand snakes being just upset. It's not like they're doing the air quotes right thing or the smart thing, but they're doing what feels right to them. Yeah. At least their opinions are. Right. And you saw how easy it was for Dorian to be like, all right, I know that you've been fighting against our wishes. I am the prince and you've been rebelling against Dorn with your own private ideas. I know that you're close to the top, but you're not the top. But I'm going to give you an okay to use your skills if you promise to listen to me. Bold. And without even the information yet, they were like, fine. Like, what else are we going to do? Just fight you and then go off on our own? Like, let's go ahead and band together and we'll bite our tongues just enough for this conversation to last. And then who knows what's going to happen. Do you think, do you think that they, that that's, there's any weight behind what they said? I think that they're going to do what they want to do. And I think that if Dorian Martel is, is planning what, it appears that he's planning. I think that that's exactly what he wants them to do. Mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin makes it a point to basically set these characters up as the biggest badasses of all time, right? And they're they're all ridiculously hot as well. So good for them. They're going to infiltrate <laughs> all of the weird people at the Great Sept of Baylor, Baylor, which is that's so interesting to me. How things are going to go down in the capital with that implanted and. I think that going and finding Dark Star is also just hilarious how Doran Martell is I know hitting everything <laughs> off on this guy who just dresses way too much. <laughs> I thought it was funny when Doran Martell didn't push the idea of taking a ship I know. because of his injury. What's he to do? I feel like that's something that would be rather important for someone with such a serious injury. He was like, I don't know. That journey over the land might not be enough for me. We'd probably be better off just taking a boat there. <laughs> I don't really know where any of this leads us. We don't really have any real answers yet. There'd be a ramp. This would be really comfortable. It sounds like something the Prince of Dorne would pretty much require if he's going to be summoned to the capital and have such a long journey. And all Balin Swan had to do would be like, but I don't know, man, the storms and the pirates. And he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> he didn't push the issue that much. I kind of feel bad for Balon a little bit. Yeah, he really walked into a nest of snakes, honestly. Literally and figuratively. And there's so much. I mean, Marcella's not there. Does I mean, he's sweating because he's whatever i mean there's lots of stuff going on he's sweating because he's probably eating really spicy food that he's not to used to eating and then also there's just like a lot happening yeah, and he's wearing full armor yeah he's wearing full armor in dorn <laughs> he's eating snake venom soup it's just he's just he's not holding up super well yeah they're using all of the the local elements in uh, figurative and literal ways to make things you know to put him in a state of of unease and uh, to take away from his ability to really operate as a, uh, a skilled member of the King's guard. I wonder if Marcella is going to be able to really lie and keep that secret. I feel like that's a lot of faith to put into someone who's the that's daughter of Cersei saying. Lannister. That's what I'm saying about this whole thing is like trusting the sand snakes, trusting Marcella. Quentin is dead. Sorry, everybody. Do you think he's dead for sure? I don't know. I'm, I hate saying definitive things. I would love if he survived. <laughs> <laughs> I hate saying definitive things. I don't really know. But, you know, like there's just so many variables 
I don't know. We're going to know soon. Hopefully. Hopefully. Knock on wood. Do you feel like, do you feel like Dorian's injury takes away, like, would you take him more seriously if he was strutting around with descriptions around his character? <laughs> no. Like Oberon? No. Or Dario? Ooh. No, because I think that, okay, let's not go there. No, but I, I think that we can take Dorian seriously as a character. I mean, we take him seriously for sure, but I mean, I just think that, like, sure, he is not, like you said, strutting around in it, literally, but. He has some, he has got a little swagger in the way that he, he's very confident in himself and his way of doing he things. He is, yeah. He doesn't lack for any of that. Why do you Maybe think it's he so important that he's so hurt? What do you think George is trying to do with that? I don't know. It may, maybe it'll come into play later, or maybe it's just kind of one of those character things. I'm, a, I'm not sure. I haven't really thought about that. I don't know if you think there's anything specific there. I have like a hundred different ideas. Oh, well then tell me. What could this mean? Is he more powerful? Does this represent the, the slow approach to things? And this is part of his punishment for being such a, uh, he's a powerful spirit, but such a coward that he's been cursed with this kind of life. Because if he's really pulling off this whole thing, what a poetic justice it would be. Because he could have acted quicker. Like you said, why are you waiting so long with so many people dying? And just because they were wrong doesn't mean that them taking over is right and even if their laws are more acceptable in the eyes of smarter and more modern individuals in the land of westeros even if all that's true it doesn't make them wanting to put their politics first necessarily right 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 we just need Jon snow to be a judge for all these different people's actions at the very end (laughs) of all this like i think that that was not right (laughs) so there's obviously a ton that we didn't get into. I feel like we're scratching the surface level on this whole Doran thing, but lots of interesting discussion to be had as we wait for Winds of Winter to come out. And as we're talking about, as we eventually are going to reach the end of this reading order, I think that our hope is that we can kind of dive deeper into specific theories and places and people. So um, there's lots of discussion to be had. In the meantime, there's lots of reading you can do. Like we mentioned, Preston Jacobs on YouTube. You can check that out. And there's lots of discussion that springs from there. You can tweet at us. I know we ask for your owns all the time, but um, I asked a million questions in the show today. So if you have any answers or insight into kind of what you think is going to end up happening with Dorn, I think we would love to, we would love to read it because this is really end game stuff that, that we're talking about. So send those our way. We don't know. What yeah, do you think? we don't. What do you think? Tell us. Was it a switching spell? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> what is your, your own for this chapter? Um, great cue. I think my own... I think my own is going to go to Sir Balon. Only because he's just real out of his element here. And I really feel for him can't take the heat literally and i just think it's kind of funny it's just kind of funny to see him in this situation because doran is such like this beautifully complex amazing place and i can imagine that if i was able to someday vacation there it would uh be amazing but i would maybe seeing sir Balon be like uncomfortable in that situation is kind of funny also he fought off the advances of arian martell which is you know that's got to be a struggle. Yeah, that's a that's a strong will right there. I'll give my own to 
Tyrion Lannister for being spoken about in this Dornish subplot in secret. Gregor Clegane said, potentially, there's just so many things going on and so many things are about to happen with them. And the fact that he's part of even just slightly connected if the story is real that cersei would use chance of the half man just like hey we've got someone to divert the attention on while we're getting some of our horrible misdeeds accomplished it's very interesting Tyrion's a powerful person and it's hard to know about his power especially through his own point of view because he just considers himself some weird guy who likes cyvas and a whole lot of wine Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting it's kind of cool to see him be mentioned here in this part of the story and realizing because as we are where we are in season five he's kind of like discovering what that actually means and to see that being played out somewhere else is pretty cool definitely so those are our owns we have a few of your owns we've rescued from the vaults of twitter and first up is everybody's fave jed calhoun at calhouner who says own in watcher to elia for two truly heartbreaking lines can I take a skull to bed with me to give me comfort in the night? Will it make me laugh, write me songs, care for me when I'm old and sick? Hashtag RIP, hashtag pansexual prince of Dorne, hashtag I'm not crying, you are. And from Brienne of Tarth, not in own in Ario's chapter, but questions. If that is Gregor's skull, then what's Franken Gregor got for a melon? And if it's not, who else has slash had a head that big? Good question, Brienne. I bet Hodor's got a pretty huge head. He's dead, too. He's not dead for sure. I guess sure. he's not dead in the books. We can't write off Hodor so early. I, f- <laughs> I feel like a character like him is just bound to eat it. Okay. Did you hear about the theory that on top of the mountain's undead body would be the head of Tywin Lannister? Oh, Think no. about that. I wonder if Kyber could, could sell that imagine? to Cersei. It's going to have the brains of Tywin, but the strength of Sir Gregor. What do you that think, Cersei? That would be Cersei? terrifying. Jesus. Just like a huge Tywin rolling around. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, we have at Nafisa <laughs> underscore W. You're like, we're done with that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like when Bran works into Hodor, though. What if they fought, like, straight up, the brain of Tywin, the brain of Bran? I don't like Bran working into Hodor, though, so I don't want that right. to happen. Good thoughts, though. Thank you. Thank you. At Nafisa underscore W owns to Duran for being the grass to Oberyn's viper, but it is the grass that hides the viper from his enemies and shelters him until he strikes. So if you'd like to send us your essays on Dark Star, <laughs> Shining Light in My Night Sky, please send them to contact at com. You can also say hi there. And don't forget to send us your owns for either this chapter, The Watcher, or our next chapter that we've got coming up. Um, you can find us on Twitter at con. Wait, <laughs> contact at Game of Owns does not work on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at Game of Next on the show, I don't know how we're all going to take these emotions, these chapters back to back. Brienne 7 and Jamie 6. That's going to be good. And we're going to be back to doing two chapters an episode. So Brienne and Jamie will share the episode together next time. So it should be a good one. Right? Are we donezo with Dorne? I think that we're donezo with Dorne for now, but I'm going to be thinking about it. I'm going to be so suspicious when we're going through the rest of this reading order. What the hell is happening in Planetos? 
who's in charge, what's the deal with these glass candles once and for all. I want to know who is is spying in other people's dreams, who is yeah. p- planting thoughts in people's heads, and for what. Mm-hmm. 